Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode on the Bot Talk. For episode 21, we are with Blast Bots. And today's episode is a live event. If you guys are in the chat right now, say hi in the chat. I'll be interacting with all of you guys, talking to you guys throughout the live premiere on YouTube. If you guys are watching this as a video afterwards, just know this was a live premiere. So there was a bit of a drop and it will be delays within that episode to cater towards the people that are trying to go for this key drop. If you guys are watching this on Spotify right now, thank you for watching on Spotify. But quickly before we get into today's episode, guys, we have one sponsor for the Days a video. If you guys want to sponsor an episode, go ahead and contact me on Twitter at the bot talk. But let's jump straight into today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is Notify, which is a premium Discord group that will help you start your reselling journey. They have sightless guides, an expert team to help you with any of your questions to help aid your reselling journey, and restock alerts. They are a limited group, however, they do restock monthly and they will be restocking in February. Follow their socials that I will have linked down below to get more details closer to the time. Jumping straight into episode 21 guys we have blast bots on the show make us some strange the questions here how did you discover reselling i probably discovered reselling through my friends in high school they were all kind of into buying and selling sneakers i never really had an interest in the clothes or the sneakers per se but i knew i would be able to help them with my ability to code i think i've resold maybe one thing in my life and that was some extra butter north face technical difficulty jacket but yeah that's pretty much it Ah, yeah, that is quite interesting because there is a good percentage of people that do come onto the show and do talk about how they started their reselling journey through friends and obviously built it up and sold loads and loads of sneakers and it kind of grew into this whole thing where we know them now. But in your case, with the small percentage of people that do come on the show, they do say that, oh, they rarely sell sneakers. Like uh, Sneaky from Wobbot, he did say that he rarely flips sneakers as well. So it's interesting to see those similarities moving on to the next question how did you discover coding so the story goes that i would watch my dad work at computers from a young age he's not an engineer but people would always go to him to fix uh so that he could fix whatever problems that they had with their computers and i guess that kind of sparked my curiosity in computers and from there i would find ways to beat my friend at games and that's sort of how i got into cheat development at a young age and it all started because i wanted to be better than my friends at games yeah, that is quite common. I mean, when you are a kid, you do want to be the best at games. That's kind of the whole ranking system back then. You don't really judge each other against anything else, really. It's mostly just video games. And that is quite interesting. I feel like a lot of kids at a young age do get into coding and technology. Personally, I got into hardware through video games. That was just kind of the link there. But a lot of kids do get into technology, hardware, software through video games. So that's nice to see. Moving on to another question. What were some of the very first things you created with coding and what languages were those in? So the very first thing that I can think uh, that I started with programming was probably a Skype call spammer when I was about seven or eight. And it would just ring my friends over and over until they picked up. And now that I think about it, it's very annoying. But at the time, we thought it was hilarious. And I think this was in Visual Basic. I probably followed some tutorial off YouTube. But from there, I got into the Minecraft scene and I learned how to make Minecraft plugins and Minecraft cheats. And this was in Java. And I would say this is where I learned the majority of my programming and met the majority of my friends. It was through meeting people, uh, figuring out how to make plugins and figuring out how to cheat the system that I sort of learned the most. So yeah, again, it links back to our original point about the fact that you started with video games that kind of developed your interest. It grew into learning coding, creating this cheat system within games to make yourself better. And obviously that grew to more complex things like investing time in Java and so on. But let's segue slightly more related to what you're known for now. 
software automation. Software automation is the professional term that we do give to botting and that is some of the questions I've targeted at this section of the episode. So when did you decide to start investing time into automation in relation to bots? So fall winter 17 is when I want to say I wrote my first bot. It was for the box logo drop and before this I didn't have any previous bot knowledge in relation to uh, shopping automation. So two nights before the actual drop, me and a friend that I met in the Minecraft cheating community, his name's Mark, we wrote a quick Chrome extension uh, to use in the drop. And this was the first time that we ever wrote JavaScript or even a Chrome extension for that matter. But surprisingly, it worked on the drop for everyone except me. And it was it was exciting, but it was also kind of disappointing that I didn't get anything. But this was the first time that I got to see something that I made work in actual production yeah i guess that is very very nice to see because when you see your actual programs do something in front of your eyes and it actually creates some of a financial gain obviously not for yourself like you said but for your friends creating that financial gain it may have motivated you to continue to code because obviously that monetary gain is very nice to have at the end of spending all that time developing and tuning the coding to make sure it works successfully moving on to the next question we talked about the Chrome extension you made in the community for the Supreme Drop a couple of days before the box logo drops. What were some of the other projects you first developed in the community? So after that, I started developing my more serious bot uh, that I named Blast. And I made this alone, but I also worked with a good friend named Pimothy, who I also met in the Minecraft community, but he helped work on the design. And he sort of showed me everything that everyone else was doing in the community because at this time I didn't really have a Twitter account and I wasn't known. So I didn't know many people in the community. And from there we worked on Blast and I sort of wanted to give back after learning so much, I decided, okay, maybe I can teach people how to make their own bots. And this is when I started my Medium account and made my own articles on dissecting Supreme bots and how they're kind of made and teaching people how to get their foot in the door and, and the botting sense. And that's sort of where I gained my popularity in the community. I ended up writing an article explaining how one of the exploits worked for Supreme. And people got really upset about that. Uh, now that I see it, understandably so, but that's sort of where things um, started for me. Well, yeah, I guess in a sense, people knowing your name and being somewhat annoyed, like providing these exploits and obviously in relation to bots as well, it kind of creates that name. You kind of start in the community and you start to grow from there, which it comes down to the fact that obviously you're learning. You didn't know the whole community moral aspects at the time, but at least you got your foot in the door and you got into the scene. But moving on to the next question. Arguably, personally, when I first heard of you, I learned about you renting out your API to certain bots within the community. And obviously, uh, a lot of people were telling me that like he makes a decent amount of money by creating this API, renting it to bots that they can use. And obviously, Supreme has this security measure called Pookie API. Obviously, you know a lot more about it than me. I'm just saying what I know. And apparently, that you created this API, you rented it to bots, and it made them successful. So can you please go ahead and talk about a bit about how you decide to make your first API for bots and what bots did you rent out to? All right, so quickly for those who don't know, me and my business partner and close friend Sawyer, we sell what's called the Pookie API. And this essentially is just a service that helps fool Supreme into thinking an actual human is purchasing their product and not a bot. So we started selling this in April of 2019 and it sort of just happened by accident. We had this domain that we had bought called board.dev and we sort of, we weren't sure what we wanted to do with it. Initially, we were going to make it a programming blog. But one day he was just like, hey, 
I already have a semi-working API and I know you've built an API before, so why don't we just make an API and see what happens? And yeah, that's sort of how it started. And from there we started working. At this time, I was in a programming bootcamp called Flatiron School. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in regard to programming. Like I, I knew I wanted to be a programmer, but at that point in my life, I had dropped out of college because I felt like it was moving way too slow. And while working at this boot camp, I also realized things were going pretty slow there too. So I would just check Discord and eventually we started working on this API and things kind of moved quickly. Well, that's interesting to hear. I know a lot of people that actually do go out and go to college and go into programming end up leaving just because of the fact that the things you're learning is at a very slow pace. That is one of the common things I hear from a lot of programmers that do go to college. For some of them, it's fine. But for some people, it's a lot more. They want to be fast paced. They want to learn things at a quicker rate. They want to grow the capabilities quick. And if it's not aiding them and they're relearning all the stuff that's quite basic, then obviously you are going to lose interest. But moving on to the next question, like you said, you developed the API. How was the process of developing the API to the point it is now? Developing the API was fun and it was very stressful. So I find reverse engineering to be extremely interesting because I'm always up for a challenge. But it's one thing to write your own software and come up with an idea and write the code for that. And it's completely different mindset taking apart what someone else has already written, especially if their goal is to make sure that you don't understand what they wrote. So it was very stressful in that aspect. And having tons of bots depending on you every week can be really tough. So if there's ever weeks that we fail, it's really tough on us and we spend you know, sometimes an entire day where we don't sleep trying to figure out, okay, what went wrong? And yeah, there would be nights where Sawyer and I would just not sleep trying to push out updates, trying to come up with more stable solutions. And I mean, it all paid off in the end, but it's constantly a cat and mouse game when it comes to uh, Supreme bot devs and the people trying to combat it. That's interesting to hear. I feel like there is a huge, huge pressure that comes with that, especially with the more bots you run out to. You have the owners DMing you saying, why didn't it work? You have the devs DMing you saying, why didn't it work? You have a huge user base per bot blaming the bots that they bought saying why didn't it work i feel like that's a lot of pressure if you handle it effectively which i feel like you have then it allows you to reap the rewards a lot better and it is just a lot beneficial for you personally and financially and that is one point i do want to touch upon what made you come to the decision with your partner to obviously make the api and then go ahead and rent it out to supreme bots so it's funny because initially i didn't know i was going to make any money at all really i knew it was a valuable product and that people would probably pay a lot for it but I never sold software before, especially software as a service. So I never really knew its value. At first, I almost rented out the API for $100 a week because to me, that was a lot of money. That was more than I ever made. And uh, Sawyer quickly DM'd me and was like, no, that's way too low. And he was right. We ended up renting out the API for $750 per region on the low end of things. So, um, it was kind of an accident, I want to say, but I learned a lot in that aspect. And not many many clients like to be named, but I will say that Kodai and Candy for sure are uh, two bots that use the API. And we're, it's pretty much because I work on can, uh, Candy and Sawyer works on Kodai and other huge bots, you know, the biggest you can think of has used our API either currently or have in the past. And yeah. Now that's quite interesting to hear. I feel like your business partner did help you develop your, your business mindset when it comes to renting out this API. Because like you said, renting out software isn't a very step forward thing. It isn't like selling an item. It isn't like renting a service. 
in a way, is like some renting a service. But it's a bit more complicated than that. You have to be more reliant. You have to develop it and maintain it quite a lot. But it's really nice to see that obviously you're gaining a lot of monetary gain from it and you've gone ahead and increased the price. Because in my opinion, I think it's fair. When I heard the prices, I feel like some users of Supreme Bots were kind of like, okay, that's that's quite a lot. But when you put into perspective all the things, how much work it goes into it or maintaining it, I feel like it's a fair price. Yeah, and one thing, uh, a lot of these bots use a lot of server resources. So one bot, uh, that we were providing to had their clients sending millions and millions of requests per second on a Wednesday when, you know, nothing even drops on Supreme because Supreme only drops on Thursdays. So this causes our server bill to go up a lot. Yeah, I think our prices are pretty justified. So dissecting the subject we just went into, what were the benefits of you renting out the API and gaining a large amount financially? I'd say that the benefit is that it taught me a lot about programming and business in general. Uh, so it's one thing to learn programming and sort of make fun things and small scripts, but it's another to actually have a product out uh, on the market and in production, because then you get to see how software works at a larger scale. You know, we're dealing with tens of millions of requests in about a minute, and not many people get to work on services at that scale. So I feel like it sets me up for uh, companies that I may like to work at in the future, like uh, Google or Amazon or, yeah. And it also taught me a lot about conducting business, uh, providing good customer service, and it also helped me provide for myself and my family at times. So I'm extremely grateful for that. Yeah, I'd like to commend you personally about how much work and effort and drive you put into this product to go ahead and rent out to people. And I feel like it is very justified. The service is there. It works. It works extremely well. You see all these bots wreaking all the success. But I feel like a lot of the success comes down to your API. And I feel like that is overlooked by users sometimes. So I feel like pushing out this episode to people and people understanding that obviously we didn't name a lot of bots. But I think people can kind of assume which bots are. Bots are using their own API when it comes to drops based on their success. But users need to understand that there is a two-way part of this you have the bots development and you also have the rental of the api kind of it kind of works hand in hand from my understanding so i feel like people need to commend you for that because obviously it is a very skilled piece of code flipping the coin here we talked about the positives what are the negatives of gaining all this financially so it can create a lack of competition in the market so we're providing an api but uh, as you may know me and sawyer also work on bots ourselves so I work on Candy, he works on Kodai, and you know we're kind of selling to our competitors in a way, and it can create a lack of diversity in a sense of bots, because at that point, it's up to who has the better marketing, who has the better UI, not really who has the better programmers or who has the uh, most skilled reverse engineers. And that's one negative. And it's also working with friends can become really tough, especially when there's money involved, you know, there's times where clients may want to switch providers and these clients are my friends and it can kind of be tough for them to say that and yeah so working with friends can be really tough but luckily it's never gotten to a bad point with sawyer and i we're really good friends and we find ways to make it work yeah i agree that i've worked with friends in the past on projects and it never seems to work as well as just working by yourself that's just how it is sometimes i feel like answering to yourself has its benefits, but also working with the good friend, like you said, has its benefits as well. Obviously, you have two minds on the same project, two knowledge bases, maybe one person's better one thing than the other, so it works really well. Moving on to the next subject of today's episode, the last boss actually got hired 
to work at Kanji Premium. There's a lot of history there. I've talked to him about it. It's very interesting. So we're going to jump straight into it. How did you take up the role of being a developer at Kanji Premium and recording their book? All right. So before I entered Kanji Premium, the team was TNF, also known as Aiden. He's the owner CEO of Kanji Software. And there was Anan, also known as Andre. He was a developer and Sawyer as well. Uh, so I worked with Sawyer on the Pookie API and I was friends with him before I even knew the other two. And one day he got an offer from Kodai that he couldn't refuse. And honestly, I didn't want him to refuse it either. So after contemplating for a while, I told him, you know, you, you should take it. And I would be fine with joining the candy team. I thought, and he agreed that they would be in good hands if I joined the team. And so he talked to TNF about it and the transition was pretty smooth. And from there, I signed the NDA, went over the contract, signed that, and looked at the source code and decided that, yeah, some work needs to be done. Maybe we should recode the entire bot, go with a different approach. And my sort of idea was that I wanted to clean things up and make it the best Supreme bot on the market. So picking up what you just said, that, that is a very, very interesting story. And I feel like you're a good friend for doing that. Like you mentioned before, he's a good friend of yours. You allowed him to take up that opportunity. And the last sentence, of what you actually just said, you said it could be or would will be the best Supreme Bot on the market. That was a very bold statement. I feel like anyone that makes that statement has to back it up. Your history clearly backs it up. So personally, I am very excited to see how well Candy Prime does do in a new season. As you guys know, SS20 is on the verge for happening. We are literally under a month away or something like that until the first install release. And then the following week will be the online release. So it's very exciting. There's a lot of bots coming to the competition. A lot of bots are joining the competition so guys keep your eyes out on blastbot now we've talked about how you joined the candy pre team how you're recording the bot but jump into a more current status how is the current development of candy at the moment so candy 2.0 is near completion i kind of feel like a broken record because i've been saying this since last season but uh i'm a serious perfectionist and i'm grateful for the team for understanding this and working with me through this and with the way that we've been hyping up this update, I would be too afraid to let everyone down. So at this point, we're just tying everything up, making sure everything is smooth for 2020 and it'll be ready in time. Definitely. Well, Kanji users, that is very nice for you guys. And also people that do win against Kanji, their socials will be down below. You guys should definitely check them out. And also you guys will have an opportunity to score yourself one copy at the end of the episode. But we have a few more questions left in today's episode. What do you plan for the bot in the future? Uh, so many things. So the main thing we wanted to change about the bot was the ease of use for the user. Um, we kind of really wanted to make sure that the bot can be picked up and set up in minutes, if not seconds. <laughs> and the goal is kind of no more need for admin guides and support tickets for help setting up. The user should just be able to log in and type in as little as possible for the best results. I also wanted to add great speed improvements. There were some speed improvements and 2.0 definitely cleared that up. And perhaps a mobile app, we'll see about that. That is in the works, but we're not sure when that'll be out. And also more social aspects to the bot as well. So one kind of thing I wanted to add into Candy, which we're working on for the release is incentives. So if the user is using the bot and they're able to cop things multiple times, they're able to earn rewards like maybe proxies or other things. So we'll see how that goes as well. It's very, very rare when I do say this to guests. And I don't think I actually said it on the episode before, but that is a very innovative idea. It's like 
it's very new like i know bots have experimented with uh in-bot currencies before uh regarding to like themes and stuff like that but creating rewards and rewarding with proxies and stuff like that i really really like that idea and also another idea that you mentioned there minimalistic setting up i feel like creating all these google docs and releasing them is a good way to develop users understanding however it is quite daunting to new users i remember when i first got my first supreme bot learning how to use the bot was quite hard i had to spend a lot of time i had to watch all the guides going in detail and i kind of felt scared to ask questions because i didn't want to seem washed at the time so i feel like for new users and users who aren't just very good at botting in general this will benefit them quite a lot moving on to the final question i know we touched upon this in the episode but Honestly, deep down, how confident are you in the bot going into SS20? Uh, I'd say I'm super confident. I think it'll seriously change the way people create bots moving forward. And I mean this by more bots will try to think of ways to become simpler, not more complex. And user experience is something I'm really passionate about as well. And hopefully it shows with the new candy update. Um, as for bot protection and the API moving forward, Splay and the Supreme devs have shown themselves to be you know, ready to kick some butt, but I feel me and Sawyer and seriously, the other APIs as well have been doing just as good keeping up and I'm ready to take on 2020. Well, guys, you heard it here first. Candy Prem seems to be the next dominant bot in the market. If you guys are watching this, SS20 is going down and it's being dominant right now. You guys heard it here first, all right? This bot seems to be good. My personal opinion, I will be keeping eyes on it as well. But guys, we're gonna move on to the final section of today's episode. I'm gonna go ahead and explain it in the next segment. Good luck, guys. So for the final part of today's episode, guys, as you guys know, we are dropping a Kindly Preem key in the episode to celebrate Blast Bots coming onto the bot talk and also to celebrate the new update that Kindly Preem is releasing for SS20. I've took on everyone's feedback and I've created a way of dropping this discord link yes it will be a discord link and essentially how this method will work is i will ask a question that goes on screen all the questions will go on screen and i will start you off with a couple of letters of the discord invite when that does happen loads of questions will come on the screen now pay attention to what i'm going to say when the question comes on the screen next to it I, in brackets i will either put lowercase or uppercase or nothing if it doesn't apply if it's like a number so if i were to ask a question the answer would obviously be a letter if this brackets lowercase then put that as lowercase if it's uppercase then both as uppercase it's a pretty simple system and you guys should be able to cut so i want to give you guys 30 seconds to prepare yourself and the question is going to go on screen as well as a couple of layers of this card invite good luck guys